Today on the Political Theory of Everything, I will be giving you your daily dose of news for today's date, Tuesday, December 21st. Alright, to start off today's news, we're going to be talking uh, somewhat about January 6th, but in a different light, not so much about what happened or anything, or too much into the hearings, um, but kind of in the hearings, uh, something that happened in the hearings in relation to um, the Fox News hosts, as I'm sure you've heard about their text messages and how they are supposed to prove somehow their point against January 6th, um, but it really doesn't. I think it actually quite goes against the narrative that's trying to be pushed. Uh, by the left about January 6th. Um, to start off the conversation, January 6th was a, an absolutely, uh, the storming of the Capitol specifically, um, at least was a very low moment, um, and certainly condemn all of it. None of it should have ever happened. There should have never been violence. There should have never been, or not even violence, but just even them going into the Capitol alone. Um, that never should have been a thing. Uh, and But behind it, was this idea that the entire right wing uh, was working together basically to create this coup um, and for for them to shut down democracy, I guess, is the whole idea behind this. Um, but first off, January 6th was wrong, so we're just going to lay that down here. This is not an argument for January 6th. This is just showing um, the weirdness of how it's been treated uh, afterwards. And so in no way am I ever going to downplay January 6th, um, but here we go. Um, they, uh, Representative Lashaney brought up uh, some text messages from Fox News hosts and Donald Trump Jr. Uh, to Mark Meadows, uh, and these consist of um, Donald Trump Jr., Laura Ingram, Brian Kilmeade, and Sean Hannity uh, for four of the texts I'm going to read to you. And so we look at the the idea that the left wants to push about this, um, and then the right has their, but but for the left, uh, they're the ones who brought these up, so we're going to talk about their ideas. They want to show that, as I mentioned earlier, that it's, it's a right-wing uh, group as a whole, like the right-wing as a whole, I mean, uh, is acting to take over the American government and to destroy democracy in America. Um, and first off, America is not a democracy. We do not, we the people do not vote for things to happen. We vote people into place. We are a republic. Um, you could say a democratic republic because we do vote on a few things, but we are certainly not a just straight up democracy. Um, but anyways, that's a different, that's a different subject. Uh, so there are these four texts and it's somehow supposed to prove a point. I'm not sure what point exactly is actually trying to be made. Um, but they also say that, and then they say, you know, that Trump somehow incited this and all these things, but here are the texts. Um, we'll start with Brian Kilmeade. He said to Mark Meadows on January 6th, please get him on TV. Laura Ingram said, this is hurting all of us. He is destroying his legacy. Sean Hannity said, ask people to leave the Capitol. And then Donald Trump Jr. said, he's got to condemn this S word ASAP. So we have those four text messages sent right there to Mark Meadows. And once again, the, to reinforce the idea on the left is that it was a right wing as a whole, taking over the United States government. Yet, here we go. I don't know why they presented these, because they go directly against their point. But here you can see that it's really not a 
uh, right-wing conspiracy altogether because why would they send these texts to Mark Meadows? Like, why would they insist on this? So I'm not sure why they brought these text messages up or what their goal behind them was. Um, but the idea that it was a coup just doesn't really make that much sense to me because, I mean, you have these... You have this Donald, President Donald Trump, right? And he's a billionaire. Even ignoring politics, he is a billionaire. And the idea that a billionaire would gather 800 people, whatever it was, uh, we'll just say 800 people, to run into the capital to take over the most powerful country that the world has ever seen. Like, that's the idea, though. That's what they say is, you know, this was, a, this was Donald Trump trying to take over the country trying to start a coup, which automatically, it just doesn't work to be a coup because a coup requires a, it requires institutional support. And you can see that this had zero institutional support. And if you wanted to say, well, Fox News or whatever those are, right here, you see it. They wanted to shut it down. A coup does not work if you have zero institutional support. And they didn't. And then the second part is, how can you have a coup for a leader that doesn't even want a coup? Meaning the idea is the fact that Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, wanted a coup, but he didn't. So then you have this coup for a leader who doesn't want a coup. So how can you replace the, how can the new regime come in if there is no new regime, say it was a real coup? But it wasn't. Once again, why would a billionaire pay 800 people? Or why would that be like, oh, this is how we'll take over a country with thermonuclear weapons. We'll send in 800 unarmed people. Like what? I just doesn't, that never made sense to me. And it's not a defense of anyone or anything. It's just a logical walkthrough of how it doesn't, none of this makes sense surrounding some of the narratives that are trying to be pushed with January 6th. Um, and I think this Fox News one perfectly shows it wasn't a coup because, as I said, no institutional support, and they're trying to sh like say, "Look, you shouldn't do this." Um, and whether or not Fox News downplayed January sixth, that part doesn't matter in this story because this is what they texted on January sixth. And I just I had to bring that up and I had to talk about that because it was it was really bothering me. Um, just some of the things that they thought they were trying to press across. I don't even know, uh, but. Uh, we move on from there. Speaking of Fox News, our first article is actually from Fox News. So the title of this one, Trump, quote, very appreciative and very and surprised, end quote, Biden acknowledged his administration's COVID vaccine success. Uh, subtitle, in an exclusive interview with Fox News, Trump said Biden's comment would help the process of healing. Uh, so former President uh, Trump said Tuesday that he is very appreciative and surprised that President Biden thanked him and his administration for their success in making COVID-19 vaccines available to the public, telling Fox News that tone and trust are critical in getting Americans vaccinated. So this w would be a massive step towards uh, almost unification in a sense, or trying to be more unified uh, in the very least. And for Biden to say, or President Biden to say this, um, in relation to Trump and the President Trump and the vaccine is huge. And, you know, a lot of people didn't know about Project Warp Speed being the way that the the vaccine was created. And a lot of people didn't want to talk about Trump and all that and uh, President Trump and his vaccine and all that um, from the left side somewhat. Um, it, it was weird. Uh, but there's there's Project Warp Speed by, by President Trump that brought along this vaccine um, that President Biden and them have continued on in distributing, um, or whatever you want to call it, to all over the country or whatever. Um, 
and so we continue on. Biden on Tuesday afternoon announced increasing increased testing capacity and expanded access to vaccines and support for hospitals across the country amid a surge in cases of the Omicron variant, which the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention announced this week makes up more than 73% of new infections in the country. Uh, and this is what Biden said, quote, Thanks to the prior administration and our scientific community, uh, America is one of the first countries to get the vaccine. Thanks to my administration, the hard work of Americans, we let roll our rollout made America among the leader, world leaders in getting shots in arms, end quote. Uh, so it goes in the article to talk about it. The Trump administration created Operation Warp Speed, a public-private partnership to create vaccines against the novel coronavirus as the pandemic raged in 2020. Under his administration, the Food and Drug Administration, geez, under his administration, the FDA approved emergency use authorizations for the Pfizer and BioNTech Moderna COVID-19 vaccines. Trump in December 2020 signed an executive order that would ensure all Americans had access to coronavirus vaccines before the U.S. government could uh, begin aiding nations around the world. Um, what's what's so interesting about this is when Biden came into office, uh, President Biden came into office, you know, he was saying he wants um, what, a, what 100 million people vaccinated by the time, by day 100 or whatever was his plan. And when he came in, it was just ironic because people were saying, wow, look how good he is at planning when there was already an average of one million vaccines being given out per day by the time he got in office. So it was like he didn't necessarily have to change anything. Now, he maybe got over that, by, but whatever it is, it was just like, that's already what's happening. Like that's not That shouldn't be a goal necessarily because that's already like on track to happen. A goal should be instead of 100 million, 110 million, you know, average it, you, you put it up a bit more. It's a 1.1 1, 1 million a day or something like that instead of just 1 million. Uh, but you increase the number. But that was one thing. And then the second thing was that they, the Kamala Harris said even in an interview she'd be hesitant to get a Trump vaccine. So it's, you could argue both sides, if any, create a vaccine hesitancy. Now, whether someone takes a vaccine is, should be their choice. It's not that. But the vaccine hesitancy that they blame. I mean, you can see it where, I mean, it's it's a vaccine created by Trump and all of the right knows that. So it's not this, it's not a, oh, well, I just don't want to get a vaccine. It's it's more of them genuinely saying, well, I don't know about my health. I mean, they saw their their Republican president, Donald Trump, and their, their Republican vice president, Mike Pence, take the vaccine. And it's not that they, they don't trust um the government or, or that they distrust or are anti-vaccine. It's just they say, hey, this is a newer vaccine. I am i don't feel completely safe with this yet. And it's their medical right to, to take the risk of not getting a vaccine over COVID-19. I mean, if you're, if you're an average person, you have not really any reason to worry about COVID-19, COVID especially nowadays with Omicron, um, which is far less deadly and serious uh, than Delta or the original COVID-19 strain. And uh, we continue on in the article. Uh, it says, Trump, who is fully vaccinated, told Fox News that he received a booster dose of a COVID-19 vaccine. The former president was hospitalized with COVID-19 in October of 2020. Uh, that's an interesting thing I saw. Uh, there's a study that says if you get the two vaccines and the booster shot and COVID-19, you have like 2,000% more antibodies or something like that. It's just some interesting thing uh, I just I saw, uh, so I thought I'd share. 
but there's that article. I think it's very interesting how people are realizing that this bashing of each other isn't going to help with vaccines. And so they're trying to push this vaccine, especially with Omicron coming in hopes that it works against Omicron. It's it's iffy if it does. There's a lot of places where over 70% of their cases are Omicron. Um, and so, or, or sorry, of Omicron are vaccinated people. So it's really being questioned, you know, vaccine versus booster. What's it looking like? Do we need the vaccine? Does that work by itself? Does it also need the booster with it? Um, so that question is being asked, which is where the next article comes in for CNN. And the title of this one uh, if you think the booster shots, the third shots here in America are crazy, listen to this. Israel begins fourth COVID-19 dose vaccine rollout for people 60 and over as Omicron cases surge. Uh, so the article starts, Israel is, Israel is to begin rolling out a fourth dose of the coronavirus vaccine with immediate effect for people ages 60 and over, medical workers and people with suppressed immune system uh, and, and suppressed immune systems. The Prime Minister's office uh, announced Tuesday following a recommendation from the country's panel of coronavirus experts. Those eligible for the fourth dose can receive it, provided at least four months have passed since the third dose, it said. In Israel, almost all vaccinated citizens have received the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. One of the members of the expert panel told Israeli Radio Tuesday evening that the decision to recommend a fourth dose has not been an easy one. Uh, Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett welcomed the recommendation and encouraged citizens to get the shot as quickly as they could. Bennett also applauded Israel's efforts in tackling the virus so far, saying that the country continues to, quote, stand at the forefront of the global effort to deal with the pandemic, end quote. Uh, the main reason I want to bring this up is because that whole thing nowadays, a lot of people are fed up with COVID-19. They don't want to get another booster shot. You know, they're looking at Omicron saying, why should I take it seriously? It's killed one person. Uh, so far that I know of, it's killed one person. Why would I worry about it? And when you just saw in that previous article, 70 plus percent of the COVID cases now are Omicron, but only one of them has died and that was in a different country. So why should I worry about it and go out and get a booster shot? Like, why do I, why should I care? Why should I change my life at all? Uh, when it seems as though I don't need to. Uh, and so we see that question being asked and now we see this fourth dose over in Israel. We see third doses being pushed here in America with the booster shots, hoping that those specifically help more with Omicron, which makes me wonder why um, a booster shot, a fourth one would be needed. If people already have the booster shot, wouldn't that already help them with Omicron? I don't know how this works, but this also points out how it's it's it almost seems as though COVID is just going to be with us. I mean, the fact that you have to get a fourth booster shot and we've not even had the vaccines out, we'll just say a year. It's, the vaccines have basically been out for a year, roughly, and yet we see this another fourth. So we average a shot every three months. We don't even do that for the flu. And you just wonder, what? Where, where's the end to all this? And if there isn't an end, when can we just move on? And I think Omicron is where a lot of people are starting to say, this is when we can move on. Omicron isn't a threat. Omicron doesn't really affect the many people. I need to live my life now. I can't continue to hide. It's been, I mean, roughly two years, almost not quite, not quite, but we're almost to two years. Um, and people are just like, okay, I've got to continue with my life at some point. Uh, and you can see that in the employment rate and all that. Uh, but Hopefully this continues, but the question of, you know, how many booster shots, how many shots am I going to have to get uh, before I'm considered safe? And frankly, 
am I already safe even without those booster shots? Uh, so we have one next article from the Blaze, completely unrelated topic. Uh, title, Mexican cartels teaming with Chinese organized crime to ramp up meth and fentanyl pr uh, production. A new report released Monday from the Mexican Defense Department indicates that the Mexican, Mexican drug cartels are turning to bigger labs to produce larger quantities of synthetic drug like meth and fentanyl and that organized crime elements in China are central to their operations, according to NPR. Mexican Defense Secretary General Luis Crescencio Sandoval Gonzalez wow, uh, claims that the rise in demand for synthetic drugs comes from many cartel decision uh, from many cartels' decision to shift from naturally grown drugs like opium and marijuana, uh, the popularities of which are in decline due to crop seizures and eradication. Uh, Sandoval Gonzalez said that seizures of fentanyl had seen a dramatic increase of uh, oh, gee, sorry, 525% according to Mexican government statistics compared to the years prior. Law enforcement seized 1,232 pounds of fentanyl in 2016 through 2018 and 7,710 pounds in 2019 to 2021. So that's a massive increase right there. Um, the main part of this is just crossing the border. How does this? How is this going to affect America? And if we see a huge increase there, we're going to see a huge increase crossing the border, especially with how loose the borders are right now. Hopefully they tighten up, but with how loose they are right now, we can see a massive transportation of these drugs into America, uh, which obviously never has a good ending, uh, drugs plus anything. But if we see this fentanyl already is an issue somewhat in America, and now there's even more of it, but that's where you see there's an increase lately in America, and there's also been an increase in Mexico. I mean, we see this, what seems to be cause and effect. Uh, you know, uh, correlation does not always mean cause, but still, uh, you see this cause, what seems to be a cause and effect higher in Mexico. It's starting to be a bit more of an issue in America as well. Uh, so the odds are it's crossing that border, and that's the main point with this article is just how, how it is. If it's becoming such a big issue over there, it's going to become a big issue over here. And how the the border really needs to lock down on this, not not even having to do with immigrants at this point, but just the drugs that are that are potentially going to just crash across the border. I mean, the, the Mexico can't do anything to stop the cartel. They they have no chance to stop the cartel. But you so that just uh, opens the door to a massive wave of drugs fentanyl and all that coming into America. And that is one thing that we are going to have to avoid. So even past all the politics of immigration, we're talking about just drugs at this point, drug smuggling into America. And how can we shut that down? Uh, and if that sadly means we slow down immigration, then is what's more important, the hundreds of thousands of people who will die because of drugs or a couple, you know, 10,000 people just trying to get into the country illegally or more quickly. Uh, I think that certainly needs to be weighed. If it's a slower process, but it's safer for everyone, why would that not be the chosen option? And I think that's the, that's the real question nowadays is why are we having such open borders? There's a process for people to get in. And it's not that we don't want them in here. It's just that we want to make sure the right ones are in here. And if the open borders are there, what's going to stop fentanyl from crossing it? Nothing. And that's that's the big issue Americans have right now with the border crisis that is still truly going on. But we move on from there. 
back into this Omicron idea uh, from CBS. Moderna says its booster significantly raises Omicron fighting antibodies. So I, I bring this, I chose this article because of the one we chose about Israel. Um, why do you need a fourth booster shot if you already have the third that raises your Omicron, um, raises your Omicron antibodies? And if these if these RNA or whatever DNA spy, um, RNA, DNA, all that vaccines, I guess, other than J&J &J or whatever. But, but if these vaccines, or they're not even medically defined by vaccines, but we'll just keep going with it. If, if these vaccines are not working long term, I hope, you know, maybe in the background, Pfizer and them are looking for a different way to do it. Because, like I said, Israel is going on to having, you average a shot every three months. That's that's what the fourth would do for you at this point. And how is that realistic expectations of living? For every three months, I'm going to have to get a shot, yet I get two HPV shots and I'm good to go. It just it doesn't make sense to me. I've had four, If it, well, I'm an Israeli old person, and I've had four COVID shots now. It's, it's mind-boggling. Um, how long is this going to go on? Does this show that this technology just isn't ready, uh, truly ready for use? Um, not even in a safety capacity, but in an efficiency capacity, even if it has a 95% effectivity rate, why would I only, why would I, why would I use this vaccine instead of one that lasts me forever? Like, why would we try to use this technology when it's just, it's obvious it's not ready yet for use? Um, even ignoring any of the safety stuff with it, just like I said, efficiency of it and, and long-term efficiency of it. it. It doesn't make sense to me that I have to average one every three months and this is considered like, oh yeah, that's really good stuff. Which even if, which then means if my odds of being hurt by one of the vaccines is literally one in a million, your odds are now one in 250,000, like over, over the span of a year. Because if you get one every three, every three months, that's four, which means it's four in 1 million, which means it's one in 250,000, which you see this, it slowly goes down and down and down your odds of it. And even those are still big odds. It's at that point, you have a higher chance of being hurt by a COVID-19 vaccine than by, than dying while skydiving with an instructor, which is about one in 500,000. Uh, so we'll see you know that how this this booster shot works because uh, CBS here in the article is going to talk about it. Uh, Moderna announced preliminary data on Monday that is said to uh, said showed a third booster dose of a its coronavirus vaccine appeared to significantly increase antibodies that can help fight off an infection with the Omicron variant. Going to read there for a sec. Moderna said lab tests showed Omicron neutralizing antibodies were low after two doses of its jab, but day uh, but 29 days after booster dose of 50 micrograms, they increased about 37 fold. So 29 days after the booster shot, uh, so roughly a month after a booster shot, uh, is when they when they're seen. So in the next two months, all of a sudden they dissipate apparently, uh, because you need that fourth booster shot. Uh, it doesn't make sense. The 50 microgram dose is given as a booster with the Moderna shot, but the company's data showed that a full 100 microgram booster dose increased antibody counts even more around 83 folds an hour just so that's basically two doses in one i don't know uh, i don't know what's considered like one dose like an average dose dose is what i'm saying um 
Uh, it's highly effective and it is extremely safe, Moderna's chief medical officer, Dr. Paul Burton, said of the current vaccine in an interview with the Press Association. Oh, what else was he? What, what else was he supposed to say? The the booster shot is extremely lethal. Like I don't know what else. I'm. I don't know what they expected. Even if it was extremely lethal, I don't know what they expected to hear from him. I think it will protect people through the coming holiday period and through these winter months when we are going to see the most severe pressure of Omicron. I think it's really difficult because it was really smart to bring private entities into this because that's it's going to go a million times faster than the government ever could. That's why they went private. That's why it was a public-private um, partnership that President Trump did because he knew the government would not be quick doing this. So he went to the private entities. But the thing is, it, it kind of it kind of folds in on itself after a while because as a private entity, you're going to milk this as long as you can because as you should, you're trying to make money. And I'm not saying that automatically all these shots are just to make money, but it's something you need to keep in your mind. Like, okay, we're coming into Omicron and you know, this president of course, or, or head director is of course, he's going to say it's really effective. It's really good. It'll help a lot of people. Um, is this, how long is this going to go on? Because these Pfizer and all of them are just going to keep making loads and wads of cash because the government's just going to keep buying these things. And how long as taxpayers are you going to keep paying for it when you know you hear like, oh wait, my odds of dying to this COVID variant 20 after Omicron is, you know, 0.000000. It's one in a billion. And yet we have another booster shot for it. You know, that's where you can start seeing like, okay, this is for money at this point for those companies. And this is still a power grab by the government. Um, but Omicron has been reported in at least 89 countries and all but five U.S. states, and the number of cases is doubling every couple of days in places where there is community transmission, the World Health Organization said on Saturday. Because of how quickly Omicron is spreading around the globe, Moderna says the current version of its vaccines could remain its first line of defense against Omicron. It continues on from there, and uh, it says it plans to develop an Omicron-specific vaccine that would advance into clinical trials next year. However, given the long-term threat demonstrated by Omicron's immune escape. Oh, I mean, okay, so I'm supposed to take a booster shot to protect me. I'm supposed to pay, pay taxpayer money to take a booster shot that's supposed to protect me from Omicron. And then I'm supposed to drop uh, more taxpayer money to take a, another shot to protect me from Omicron. This is where I'm saying, how long does this go? And for and to what extent? I mean, we have spent, the government is trying to sign two bills in that'll cost long-term overall about $10 trillion. We bring in $3 trillion a year. The government spending is absolutely ridiculous. And we, we do not, the government does not bring in nearly enough to, to, pay the stupid amounts that they've been paying over the past two years. I mean, huge sums of money that makes our revenue, the government's revenue, look minuscule. It's honestly probably near like $20 trillion by now, at least over the past two years, when we've brought in six those two years. It's, it's mind-blowing money, and the majority of it, you know, you have an infrastructure bill, but a, a very minute amount goes to it. It was like $80 billion or something. I mean, it was just a very, very small amount of almost two trillion dollars and it's called an infrastructure bill and that's because we we see that they're trying to push their agendas or they're trying to pay each other off and so they hide it in this bill and they name it something else like in the infrastructure bill i believe there was 630 million dollars given to nancy pelosi and her district because her district was in debt or something like that something along those lines but it was named an infrastructure bill and, and nowadays you see these bills name these random things that happen to be inside of it Oh, it's an education bill. It's a Build Back Better bill. 
But oh, it hides all these other things within it and then spends stupid sums of money. Stupid, stupid sums of money. I mean, $2 trillion right there. That leaves $1.3 trillion to work with in our budget. Yet we spend it like it's nothing. This Build Back Better bill, $5 trillion. That's almost two years of revenue for the government. But they're just trying to slide in these. They're trying to slide in, oh, we paid for all these things, these nice things for you. Now you've got to pay me a stupid amount in taxes. And it almost slides in socialism because now suddenly you're paying these high amounts of taxes and they're like, man, we're never going to get out of this because we spent so much. You're always going to be paying these high taxes. And now they slide in, but don't worry, we'll give you free health care and free college, all these. And now you've got socialism, but it's a way to slide this stuff in. Um, Moderna said, and this I find interesting because CBS doesn't listen, list it, which shows you their, what they're trying to push. Moderna said there were more adverse reactions after the larger 100 microgram dose a booster dose in its lab trial, but that they were both generally well tolerated. If that doesn't make you feel good, I don't know what will. Um, but anyways, there's that. And we move on to our last article. Speaking of COVID, because COVID's been a huge thing with Omicron and all this, so I thought, why not cover it um, a lot? Because it's the main thing that's happening right now. It's that, the Build Back Better bill, and Joe Manchin. I'll glaze over that real quickly. As you've probably heard, Joe Manchin is against the Build Back Better bill. No matter what the left tells you, West Virginia does not like that. They will, um, like CNN and them are trying to push that. Uh, you know, the coal miners love it, but in actuality, the people who, who coal miner wise who like it is the union. And so don't say, oh, coal miners, interesting. Why would Manchin go? You Manchin is not going to go against his constituents, um, especially if they wanted some, he is a Democrat. And if his constituents wanted him to vote something Democrat, he was going to, he would do it in a heartbeat. He would in two seconds because his constituents are almost all right wing. And that's why he tends to go middle. That's why he tends to be, um, that's why he tends to be almost a, a, a huge piece in Congress. He's the tiebreaker because he is these one. He's one of the ones who flips over. Same with uh, Susan Collins from Maine, and and then people like that are huge people in Congress because they are the ones who can flip back and forth because of the way their constituents work. And so Joe Manchin uh, went against the Build Back Better bill, uh, and it does not seem as though it's going to get passed, honestly. But the White House absolutely blasted him, uh, and so that is fun news. Uh, but the main news has been COVID-related, uh, and that's where we move into our last one from the Daily Wire uh, report, or title, sorry, report. FDA could approve Pfizer Merck uh, COVID pills in the next few days. I think that's really interesting. So we talk about these these vaccines, and we see that it doesn't seem as though they really limit the amount you or, or limit your chance of getting it. Um, or limit your chance of, uh, it definitely, definitely doesn't stop spread. Uh, it might have a slight impact on getting it, but the main impact that these vaccines have is severity. Uh, they protect you against severe illness. And so now Pfizer's taking a different alternative. It's like, okay, well, you can still get sick even with the vaccines, as we can see with Omicron, even ignoring the booster dose, we can see that. But look, we also have this pill that can help you out. So Pfizer is making a stupid amount of money, especially if this goes through, off of COVID-19. So of course they're going to continue to push it, whether or not it's serious or not. Um, they're going to always be like, oh yeah, you need this. So a Tuesday report 
from Bloomberg stated that the U.S. Food and Drug Administration could authorize use of COVID-19 pills by Pfizer and Merrick as early as this week. Bloomberg spoke with individuals familiar with the topic and reported, quote, an announcement may come as early as Wednesday, according to three of the people. They asked not to be identified ahead of the authorization and cautioned that the plan could change, end quote. Uh, Pfizer and Merck paired earlier uh, uh, declines on the news. Merck was trading down at 0.7 at 10.43 a.m. in New York, while Pfizer was off 5.1%. Um, we can see that with the whole market, especially cryptocurrencies right now, are just absolutely eating it. They're getting obliterated. Uh, it, it added FDA's authorizations may include limited limit, uh, sorry, limitations for populations in which they could be used. One of the people familiar with the matter said... I'm guessing that there is just saying, like, if you're younger, you really don't need these. Um, it doesn't seem as though you do. This, I don't know what that exactly means. Uh, the U.S. has put an order of 10 million rounds of Pfizer pills uh, and around 3 million of the Merrick pill, which is reported to have hazards associated with it. You just love to hear this. I mean, we've, we've got two websites right here. The two new things that are supposed to help us with COVID have hazards with it, which is where I'm asking, when are you going to draw the line between, okay, well, COVID isn't a risk to me that much anymore, but they're saying that this treatment is? What, what You got to make a decision here, especially with Omicron. Like, how are you going to approach it now? Are you going to take the risk of Omicron? Or are you going to take the risk of whatever the COVID-19 treatment you wish to get is, the pill, the shot, or whatever? Uh, you have to weigh those weigh the costs and benefits now of those, especially as Omicron is way, way, way less severe. One death so far, so far that I know of. So you got to weigh these things. Why? It really doesn't seem like I'm going to die. So why would I take a risk with anything? I'm just going to let it do its thing uh, and, and, and hope for the best. And worst comes to worst, I'll address it afterwards. But we see in both of these situations negative effects. Uh, at this point, it's just, it's you got to decide. Is, am I taking the risk with COVID-19 Omicron, which doesn't apparently oppose any risk, really? Or do I take a risk with this, where it's seen multiple times in a lab trial with probably not that many people? So you have these you have these things you've really got to weigh out. Um, as the Daily Wire reported last month, an advisory panel for the U.S. Food and Drug Administration recommended Merrick's antiviral COVID-19 pill for adults uh, who are at high risk of contracting the virus, although the panel did not agree at all on the decision. So this is not so much an antibody or anything, but almost it seems it's supposed to prevent it. Uh, the FDA's Antimicrobial Drugs Advisory Committee voted 13 to 10 to recommend emergency use authorization of molnupiravir, adding that it's an 800 milligram pill. That's massive. Intended to be taken uh, every 12 hours for five days after symptom onset. Okay, so it is... Okay, okay. It's for high-risk people once they've got COVID, it seems as though. Um, Merrick originally said that the drug was 50% effective in preventing hospitalizations and death, uh, but it seems that it is just 30% effective. Uh, still somewhat effective, but, but that's where, okay, if it's 30% effective, I really already don't have a risk at all. Why do I need to, like, 30% of 0 0.00001? Uh, is it really going to make that big of a difference when the risk for taking the pill is higher? Uh, based off this, they didn't tell me what the risk is, so I'm going to assume it's big because uh, I have every right to. Um, American and the FDA noted that women who are pregnant should not get the pill. Kids and pregnant women who were not uh, kids and pregnant women were not included in the treatment's clinical trials. Um, that's it's been very interesting lately, especially with COVID nineteen. 
Um, that's that's been almost all the news, to be honest, uh, has been around Omicron and and how cities are addressing it and how this booster shot is supposed to be the defense against it. Um, and also in the news was uh, Jesse Waters and Dr. Fauci going back and forth. Jesse Waters basically still bringing up how he funded uh, lots of labs and lots of bad things like the bee, uh, the, the the dog experiment uh, and, and how he funded the, like there's a grant and they can read it, you can read it, uh, how they funded also the Chinese lab that did uh, appear to leak the coronavirus. Um, we also have, I guess, lighter news like Spider-Man coming out. Uh, that is the number one selling uh, movie of the year already. I believe it's grossed over uh, $600 million. It's already the top movie of 2021, which makes sense um, in its first weekend. Or first week, I should say. Uh, we see that. We see, like I mentioned earlier, cryptocurrency is not doing so hot. Uh, and the stock market, it's interesting. The stock market's interesting. I think that's the the uh, very easiest, that's the easiest way we can really say it. We see Elizabeth Warren got COVID-19. Inflation is at an all-time high almost. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it looks like a Jimmy Carter era here uh, with incredibly high inflation and higher taxes. Uh, Jimmy Carter was the last time we saw it this high. I believe it is at almost 7% now, about 68 6.9%. Um, so that is going absolutely great. Um, uh, that's pretty much the main other news for today, uh, or lately. I, th I believe um, there's one I'll try to cover it tomorrow. I'll find an article on it, but uh, uh, there's a county in California, I believe L.A., uh, the public schools were giving vaccines to kids without parental permission. So I will try to find the article on that. I, I think it was L.A., uh, don't quote me on that, uh, but uh, it was a California county. I will try to find it. Uh, I believe it was kind of California County, but I will try to find it so I can read that to you. We can cover that. But until then, unfortunately, I must leave you. Uh, have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday and a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you so much for listening.